0: Welcome to the Midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us. This week on the podcast, we got Rob Croyle. Hello. We got Jacob Croyle. Hey. And we got myself, Logan, here to serve up some delicious footnoty goodness. Uh, Starting off, off, we're going to start off with some shortcomings, chiefly of which is mine. This week, I arrived to go hook up the trailer to the back of my pickup truck, and I got out to go clean off the backup camera on my truck, and I looked down, and I said, there's no hitch there. (laughs) And then I remembered that I took the hitch off, and it was sitting in my house all the way across town.
1: It was warm and cozy.
0: It was a warm and cozy cozy hitch. It was just living the dream that all hitches want to live just sitting in my hallway.
1: It's a good thing that a few months ago I bought a hitch because whenever I'd have to pull a trailer, your your hitch...
0: It just I, didn't quite sit right. It
1: was just mm-hmm. a, a, too low for,
0: yep. for my lowrider little... truck. I don't know where you got a lowrider truck from. I don't... It's so strange. So yeah. strange. But anyway, so you had this hitch. And so I called Rob, and I was fuming at myself internally. I'm like, ready for today's shortcoming? <laughs> I forgot the hitch at my house, so I can either come steal your hitch, or you can come hook up the trailer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I've been there. Man. It
0: was fine. It was fine. Other than that, Sunday went... Uh how did
1: how did Sunday go Rob? It went off without a hitch.
0: Without a hitch. Yeah, that's right. Uh how many what was the total count on how many times you used that joke?
1: Well, I told different people. That that was a thing. So it you, doesn't
0: count if you're telling different people. That's
1: right. You just happened to be within earshot multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> not Uh-huh. Not by design, but Uh-huh. They needed to hear it. Yep. <laughs> they. they <laughs> Today went with went off without a hitch, and that's not a good thing. Yikes.
0: Yikes. All right.
2: I told the joke a fraction amount of times in comparison to my father's. So. Oh, you were
0: telling it, too? Oh, good. Oh, good. We had uh, multiple. I only ever said it to you, I think. Okay. Well, that's fair. I, I do remember that time. <laughs> Great. Anyway.
1: You know, so I, I've deployed a number of times for, for the Air Force, and... I just never wanted to be that guy that got verbally undressed by, you know, the commander or, or by the first sergeant or who, whomever for for being late, for forgetting something. And I've, I've got just such a thorough process for making sure that I take everything with me. And I, and I still, I miss it sometimes. Like, uh I get... Yep. I get to work and I'm like, I'm missing something pretty important.
0: Yep. That uh that hitch I was I, I'm pretty sure I I had to have tripped over it, leaving my house. I don't know how I forgot it. But oh well.
1: Your betas kept it safe.
0: My betas were distracting me, that must have been it. <clears throat> So, l- moral of that story is redundancy in your systems. Make sure that you have backup plans on backup plans, mm-hmm. aka Rob's truck has a hitch too. Yes. So there you go.
1: Yeah, Jacob showed up and I'm walking out to my truck to you know go over to pick up the trailer and I said, "Yeah, Logan, I said we don't have a trailer today. We're unloading everything into your car." And we're gonna have you drive it over. And he looked at me. He's like, "What?"
2: (laughs) (laughs) My little tiny uh, Ford Focus definitely can't handle.
1: Little Ford Focus, that sucker would be. uh, Would
2: be a lot of trips. (laughs) Would be multiple.
0: That would be multiple trips for sure.
2: Could we even fit the? We'd have to. We'd have to. Man, we'd have to do all sorts of things to make that work. We got rope.
1: It'd be a low rider for sure.
0: It would be bottomed out. But there you go. There you go. See, even Logan, even Logan messes up sometimes. Especially yeah, Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, all right. Moving on, let's talk about our discipleship moment. Which we haven't done one of these in a in a hot minute, but discipleship moment of the week or concept or something, we need to come up with a better name for it still, uh-huh. probably. But I'm never gonna come up with a name. We're just gonna leave it kind of fuzzy wuzzy. Well, this
1: is our bump music. The uh, way you talk about it, yeah, how you don't like the name for about thirty seconds. That
0: takes the bump for it.
1: People know that. Oh, we're talking about discipleship. Yeah, moment or something. Logan's
0: griping about the name. That must be it. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. All right, so we're going to talk about environments because we're talking this. This series is going through share, connect, minister, disciple. We're talking about how we live out the story. We previous series we talked about. You know telling the story uh the story that we tell with our lives, and this is living out the story of like how do we how do we get intentional about this, not just accidentally stumbling into stuff right, and we were thinking that we should talk about environments
1: so yeah, last week we talked about what it looks like to share your faith and and how you do that and how you don't be the guy that that shares you know with a pastor that they need Christ without ever asking. A question of the person. Uh, I've had people do that to me. Mm, I have too. Uh, we've had uh, a friend of ours that was at Costco, uh, just sitting on the curb waiting for his wife, as he, you know, his dog was with him. They were in town with their dog. Didn't think he should take the dog inside, so he's just hanging out with his dog, and and apparently that was enough for someone to start a uh, evangelistic conversation with a guy that already knows Christ and helped, has helped other people know Christ and and has done youth ministry and...
0: What you would maybe call a mature disciple?
1: Yeah, a mature disciple, and the guy asked a rhetorical question, never really asked a question that would engage in conversation, and then verbally vomited on her friend and handed him a track and and proceeded on with his life. And, Probably feeling really
0: good that he'd done a lot of good. And so... And good in the world.
1: Uh, so... We talked about what it looks like to share your faith because that's kind of a sensitive conversation. It's a, it's a conversation I think that a lot of people feel some sense of uh, dread. Could be, and then uh, and then this week, the responsibility of the mature followers of Christ to help the new followers of Christ connect to God, hmm. and connect to family, and connect to purpose, and, and it's really that if we're talking about, if we're using the metaphor that some are adults, some are young adults, some are parents, some are infants, some are children, who's feeding whom, who's providing the opportunities to engage, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. Well, in the same light, uh, as a church, as we engage as we program events and and those kinds of things, uh, not all events are c- created equal when it comes to wanting to just share, start sharing our lives with people. And so, a Bible study <clears throat> is not a great share event. Yeah, uh, because it's. The conversation typically goes one direction. It goes from the teacher to the Bible study students. Mm-hmm. I There's some level of knowledge required, typically. And if I tell you to open up your book to First John, and you're brand new to the faith, or you don't even know Jesus, your first question might be, is that New Testament or is that Old Testament?
0: Where's that at?
1: Where's that at? So... Uh, So not all events, Bible studies don't make a great, don't make great share events.
0: Yeah, and it's not, it's not just, this is not limited just to the church, like church events. This is not just a church events concept. Um, Because if we're walking this out, if we're living this out, then we're going to have certain functions where it's, like, there are aspects in our lives where we can be like, oh, this would be a better connect event. Versus this would be a better connect or a share environment, you know, a share environment versus a connect environment within my own life, you know. Right. What's my and and applying? What's my purpose for this? Like, okay, am I doing a, you know, is it a? Am I having a St. Patrick's Day party? Well, that's probably a good share event because it's just you know surface level, getting to know people. I can invite my neighbor who I don't even you know just cold call invite people off the street. Sure, it's highly That'd be totally relational. Fine. Like super relational, not a lot of depth to it necessarily. Um and it can lead to maybe some more one-on-one conversations or or you know follow-up conversations that could be more connect environment type things that are going to be more intentional in that in that aspect of about plugging people into community or plugging them into purpose. Um maybe even connecting them to God better. Uh but being intentional and cognizant about what's my purpose for, like, what, how can I use what I'm already doing? You know, I'm going to have friends over for a poker night. That might be a great connect environment. Could be like you're getting together with some people from your care group and you're going to do a poker night and you got some other people that may be resistant to care group. You're going to invite them in and just get them connected to that group, um, but being being intentional about that and being aware of how to have an agenda kind of that sounds a little sketch but
1: well and i think you know what you don't want is like the the old bait and switch where someone shows up to an event and they think oh what i'm getting is like i'm showing up to a halloween party and yeah. and what you're really getting is uh, now it's a bible study 3 hours of bible memorization and uh and at the end, you know you get a couple couple- candy bars like that would that would just be that would be really awkward yeah. you know and i remember I remember in college walking through the commons area, and there's a guy with a blow horn and he's you know firing brimstone you know mm-hmm. preaching and I
0: had one of those
1: and I felt that was so awkward i'm like man, like maybe this is a really important conversation, but maybe you're really having this conversation in a really poor manner.
0: You're just yelling at people.
1: You know, and so... Um,
0: they will run away.
1: <laughs> so a, sh- a share environment, the larger the group, the larger the environment, the larger the number of people that could actually show up to it, Typical- typically that's going to be a shared environment. Mm-hmm because it's harder to have that one-on-one conversation in that larger environment uh, and, and have a meaningful, bi-directional conversation. Yeah. And so uh, discipleship really as its core, I mean, you, sh- you see Jesus with his disciples, and, and in the most intimate moments where discipleship has really taken place, where things are— uh, where there's really change happening at the heart level within the disciples, those are much smaller environments. The feeding of the 5,000 would be a great share environment. Like Jesus sees a bunch of people and he goes, oh, we should meet a need mm-hmm. that they have. That's a share environment. Not a lot of Bible being preached at that point. You know, and so... um. So Jesus has the people sit down. Now mm-hmm. Jesus has a different conversation with his disciples than he has with with the people the with the five thousand. So I really believe that there's always really two there's levels, two layers going on, two at layers any point. of discipleship going on.
0: We're gonna as as we mentioned, there's the the share connect minister and disciple. This next week will be minister, and the week after will be disciple. And you know, it, I think a a good way to look at these is if the share environment is ninety percent relational and maybe ten percent spiritual or you know that sort content. of content driven. Right. Then the discipleship, like the disciple quadrant of the circle that we're looking at, that's gonna be the flip side of that. Right. Like that's gonna be ninety percent content intense, one on one, and and the relational, it's not just fluff relational. Um, there's still a relational aspect there because there's more than one person involved, but it's not driven by the relation um,
1: well, in the share environment is, is really the beginning i I see that as the beginning of the relationship, sure and so it is going to be highly relational. Everybody has some kind of spiritual story for the people in missoula it it could be very eclectic it'd be very different for some people they've never heard of jesus they've never had a religious conversation with anybody but that that's the minority <clears throat> most people have had some level of i went to church my dad went to church my mom went someone went to sure. church uh there was some kind of church conversation uh whether that was christian or latter day saint or you know yeah some other kind of background and so everybody has this spirit They come to the conversation with some kind of spiritual mix. Mm-hmm. And I think of Paul, and I don't remember what town he was in, but he said, you know, you you even have an idol to the unknown God.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he, I, he he knew that they had a spiritual background. Like, there wasn't just a blank slate. Is that
0: Athens? Yeah, it would
2: have been Athens. Yeah, it was Athens. Yeah.
1: So it wasn't just some kind of blank slate, and so Paul had to understand like what was the context mm-hmm. of the people that he was dealing with
3: mm-hmm.
0: sure
1: and and we need to as well you, you know, know is it a native American background that you,
0: gotta, you have to understand you have to understand people's story before you can know how to have that conversation well um most yeah. of the time you know that uh it popped into my brain this weekend i was over at uh, university of idaho's homecoming hanging out with a bunch of friends from the alumni band and uh reconnected with a friend from back in the day um we didn't really know each other very well just just really acquaintances kind of um yeah and so we we got to talking and we, and then we were we shared contact info and then we were texting back and forth and we were doing this last day or so and uh just kind of getting to know and it was just like kind of getting getting reacquainted and figuring out like where where everybody's at in their lives, right? Right. Um, and eventually that led to I was like, you know, I don't really have any reason to, but why not? Like what's your like because I'm a pastor and that I find that sort of thing fascinating, like what's your religious background? I was like, I have no idea sure. about this person. But um you know, but if I would have just come out right at the beginning, like, Hi, my name's Logan, where do you go to church? Like you know, hi, my name is Logan. What do you think about Jesus, God, in the Bible? Like that probably wouldn't have gone very well, but spending a little bit of time just forming some relational capital, um, you know, just getting to know that person's story, then led to that conversation being completely organic and not weird in any way, shape, or form. Then,
1: yeah, and and the big thing I think for our people to think about when it comes to share environments. You're already sharing your life with with people all over the place, you know, either at your workplace, uh, if you're a soccer mom, you know, watching Mm -hmm. your kids, you know, play sports together, Uh, you know, if you go to the gym, you know, whatever the case may be, like you're sharing your life with folks all the time. Have you considered those are the people that God wants you to just think? think in terms of, Lord, what kind of conversation do you want me to have with my friend at the gym, with my friend at the soccer field, and my friend at the water cooler? Sure. And so um, connect environments, they're, they're going to be smaller than the than the share environments.
0: It's going to be more, more content, more one-on-one, um, more direct, less... It's just, they're going to go deeper.
1: And so, yeah, so these are... Uh, either one-on-one environments or or maybe a small group of, you know, three to, you know, 14 people, you know, typically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sunday morning services do have a tendency to be more of a share environment because people, it's, uh, well, it's culturally relevant for people to go to a church to just to figure out, is this something I'm interested in? Sure. You know and so uh so that can be a share environment it can be a connect environment like there's there's no magic formula for this, but in general, your larger events so if we have a larger men's event uh whether it's a men's breakfast and and you got forty guys showing up, that should be a share event, not a connect event because mm-hmm. it's hard to connect with forty people we just if you think about yourself as a uh, as a leg um, as a Lego, you only have so many ports to plug in. Sure. You know, and so um, once you've maxed that out, you've maxed that out, and 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 people are not going to have deep conversations around forty people. Yeah, they're, they're just not.
3: Yep. Yep.
1: And cool. so each of these environments gets smaller as they go along. And if I'm discipling somebody, I'm going to invite them into all the environments that I've been involved in. Mm-hmm. And so we see Jesus say to his disciples, come follow me. And and the misnomer that I, that I hear sometimes is like, oh, I have to create new environments. No, no, no. They're, they're the environments you're already in. Mm-hmm. And those are the environments that you disciple someone. Mm-hmm. The, the disciple comes with you. So you invite them. And so if you go and pray for people at the hospital, because that's the kind of person that you are, take someone with you. Now you just made that discipleship environment. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty, pretty, you know, intimate. So, so that's uh, discipleship environments.
0: There you go. I like it. Good stuff. Uh so speaking of environments you mentioned on Sunday we were talking about occasionally people need new community correct and sometimes this can look different uh sometimes people don't need new community when they're you know they're they're getting connected and maybe they've got a maybe they've got a healthy community already kind of right and they don't need a completely new community but there are other times where people definitely need completely new community um in my mind this this was like, oh, the drug dealer. You know, like this is a drug dealer coming to know Christ and the drug dealer now desperately needs brand new community because everything around him was or her was completely unhealthy and gonna drag them back back into that, right? Yep. So you wanna explain a little bit more of what you're what you're talking about here.
1: Yeah, so this came out of the Acts two conversation where three thousand people came to Christ in one day those 3,000 new followers of Christ are following a sect where where the leader was crucified for leading that sect. Mm-hmm. And there was, as the story unfolds in the book of Acts, we, we see there's still a lot of contention within Jerusalem. Those 3,000 followers would need community They would have to create community. The disciples, the apostles, would have to create community right away, which is what we're told in Acts 2, 42 through 47, that took place. But that they would need new community because their friends and family that didn't choose to follow Christ are going to feel like they've been betrayed. Mm. And so... Uh, you know, I, I remember reading one of the stories this week out of out of John where, where a man is blind. Jesus restores his sight. Uh, the Pharisees ask about, you know, who restored your sight? And he's like, who healed you? And he's like, Jesus. And they're like, well, we know he's not of God. And he's like, well, that's strange. You know, we know that God only listens to you know, godly people. So righteous people. And, and his parents didn't want to engage in the conversation because they did not want to get kicked out of the synagogue. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, our son is of age, ask him. And, you know, that was just, that was a very real threat. And if you're kicked out of the synagogue, you can no longer trade. Mm -hmm. People are not going to buy and sell with you. Uh, you lose all, all contact with your community. You know, you're, you're shunned. And so, um, and in these small communities, that's, that's a big deal. Well, when someone is leaving, uh, let's say, uh, an LDS community to come to Christ, or, or they're leaving a Muslim community to come to Christ, or they're, coming, they're leaving a lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, like you talked about, you know, drugs, like an addictive lifestyle. Um, in some cases, people will understand, oh, I have to walk away from, from that community, like that community has either shunned me or that community uh, is unhealthy for me. Mm-hmm. In other cases, we need to help people understand yeah, you're trying to live in this community and that community while you're maturing in Christ, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, the current of that community is going to try to drag you away from the current of where God's leading you, and, and, and these are mutually exclusive, and there may be a season where you could go into that community and minister to them, but today's not the day. And so that was that was my situation coming out of college. Uh the people that I was uh doing life with, uh just living a very ungodly life. And there was a season where I just could not associate with them because they were a distraction. Hmm. They were they wanted me to renounce my faith. They wanted me to
0: they're gonna drag you back into it they
1: wanna make want me to live the stupidity that I was coming out of and uh and so yeah, sometimes we have to provide community you know within the church world um it could be because someone just moved in the town mm-hmm. and now they're joining the church and they need community so there's a there's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. why that someone uh could need community. If someone has been following Christ for years, and they've been part of a community for years, but they want to join Mission Ridge because they want to help a church plant, and they just feel called by God to do that, then the community around them may be sufficient.
0: Yeah, I think that—yeah, and that's that's what I was meaning when, you know, sometimes you don't have to replace it. But even, even then— if you're going to buy into some new kind of community, it's back to your Lego peg analogy. Like if you're going to be a part of something new, like there are relationships that you're not going to be able to keep up in the same manner. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the way it goes.
1: Well, and if you are that mature person that's coming over to mission Ridge to, because you're going, man, God's calling me to help with this church plant. And then that you should be a community creator and not necessarily one seeking community, but the one who's helping create the community. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I'm hoping that we really own because we could just kind of go through the motions as a church and just kind of, you know, do our Sunday thing and do our care group thing and, and, you know, and check our boxes for, you know, Sunday and Thursday or Sunday and Tuesday or Sunday, whatever the day that we happen to meet and and say, OK, we did it.
0: Nailed it. Good job.
1: You know, and not really create. An environment, mm-hmm. not really create uh, an ethos, not really create a culture.
0: Yeah. And I think if you haven't been. I think it's difficult coming over here at least trying to start that um, what I've felt is that it's it's difficult for people to buy into that and realize that they have a need for that if they have not experienced that kind of community before right, mm-hmm. right. And it's one of those I and I don't know I don't know if there's any way to describe it because I could talk until I'm blue in the face. But until somebody has experienced that kind of community mm. and actually had that and been a part of that kind of community, right? Until they've dove in and or had it draw them in, as it often happens, and yeah. until that actually happens, I don't think people really understand how valuable and how precious that kind of community is
1: yeah when when I when I spent the last few weeks in Moscow there at real life and in, in worship services and I would, I would just kind of soak in everything that I got to experience there in Moscow and everything that that I had experience in Coeur and Post Falls with the real Lives there I was so excited to be able to Bring that to Missoula. I didn't realize how challenging it would be to create that kind of.
0: It's hard to m- do it from scratch. Yeah. It's real hard to do it from scratch.
1: And I, you know, it's a vision that you and I have. Uh, you know, we're excited to see our people start to own discipleship and, and start to create this community. But, yeah, we're still we're still hungry for all that we saw and, and got to experience there in Moscow.
0: Yeah, we've only... Like, we're only getting the surface of it here yeah. so far. Like, we got a long ways to go.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is a good thing. Like, it's only going to keep getting better. But uh, still, we got work to do.
1: Yep, we do.
0: <clears throat> so... Talk to me about NT Wright and this creed.
1: So uh, I mentioned that the Nicene Creed, and I summarized only part of the Nicene Creed. Uh, that I guess we call that shortcoming. Um, the Nicene because Creed because it was
0: shorter than it should have been.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Nicene Creed, I think, is was intended to communicate we got these scriptures. We've got Genesis through Revelation. And what's the 50,000-foot view of what God is doing here? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it says things like we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, uh, all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternal begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light true God, from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him are all things made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary. He was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. And that's where we will let the record scratch. What? Um, Because... So this creed was created, it was developed, it was adopted in the town of Nicaea by the First Council of Nicaea in 325. It sounds in, pretty in, nice, yeah. Yeah, in three, 381, <laughs> it was amended uh, in the First Council of Constantinople. Um, and so, um, so it's gone through some alterations— little refinement. A little bit of refinement. But N.T. Wright says this, Again, it would, I think, be uncontroversial to propose that the great majority of people in today's churches who consider themselves to be firmly creedal Christians, affirming the Trinity, the Incarnation, the Atonement, the Resurrection, the Holy Spirit, and the Second Coming, have never imagined for one moment that the Gospels are telling the story of how God became king, or that their rescuing sovereignty of God is already a reality in the world through the public career, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, those who adhere to the creeds, which, which we believe in the creeds, but those who adhere to the creeds are missing something if they stare only at the creed and not at the Gospels.
0: Mm-hmm. The creed does not replace the gospel.
1: There is a kingdom-shaped gap at the heart of their implicit story, and the problem with leaving the gap unfulfilled is that everything else in the story changes its meaning ever so slightly but significantly. In other words, if you don't consider how Jesus lived and what he said while he lived, and only talk about who Jesus was in relationship to the father and what he did on the cross and what happened after the cross. Like if that's all you ever talk about, it changes the story and maybe slight, but it's still significant. It's like being one degree off on your trip and a thousand miles later, you're a long ways off. And so he continues to say like somebody who has lost a central piece of the jigsaw puzzle, but it's determined to finish the puzzle anyway. Other pieces have to be pulled a little out of shape if they are made to be fit. By themselves, the creeds are fine, excellent, solid, uh, evocative, upbuilding, but in their enthusiasts, if their enthusiasts claim that they teach exactly the same thing as the canon, in other words, as the scriptures themselves, <laughs> they have deceived themselves and the truth is not in them. There you go. Wow. And so N.T. Wright in his book uh, how God became king, Jesus came pronouncing a coming kingdom, the kingdom of God, and told us what the kingdom of God would look like, how to live in it, how it would be established. And we're called to that ourselves so some little G whiz information on that Nicene Creed
0: that's good stuff it's good commentary by NT Wright. can't replace can't replace the original no the Creed only seems like it only uh, it's meant to accompany or uh, it's almost we'll we'll talk about the midrash every once in a while mm-hmm. right and that helps us understand the canon helps us understand the the old testament the jewish teachings but and in that say in that kind of same sense maybe the creed is meant to help us understand the 50,000 foot view right but not obviously if it's a 50,000 foot view it doesn't have all the details it doesn't have the whole story spelled out
1: and if you hold to just the creeds or if, if the creeds become something that's at the forefront of your thinking as being the most important thing to share with someone
3: mm-hmm.
1: like this is the this is at the core of what we believe and and what we want you to understand about Christ then it's going to lead you to i think ultimately ignore discipleship Mm. And the importance that discipleship plays because Jesus was a disciple maker and he wanted others to be disciple makers in like manner. And that is how the church grew. And it took over the Roman Empire. And then in 325, you know, the church fathers trying to solve some problems. Maybe created some problems with their, with their own solution. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe maybe created some confusion on on what the goal was. Mm-hmm. So and I don't think I don't think they I don't think this was intended. So uh, if you want to hold to the creed, I, I applaud that because I agree with what the Creed s- speaks to. But don't forget to talk about, to dwell on, to think about, to look at what Jesus Christ said and did in his three-year ministry because it was extremely important to the four gospel writers, and I think it should be to us as well. Mm -hmm. Don't forget the rest of the story. (laughs)
0: There you go. There you go. So, Jacob, you had a, a, a footnoty goodness tidbit uh, coming out of Acts 13-ish is what I put on the board because you were like, it's, it's around 13.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's near the end of Acts 13. Um, yeah. So, uh, this is the very beginning of Paul's uh, journey. Um, he, he's very recently been uh, converted, um, just became Paul. Um, and I think Previously known as Saul. If I remember right, this is the first time he's spoken. Uh, no, not quite. But uh, this
0: is the first time he's b- gone to like a, he, a yeah, synagogue. Yeah, he's, he's setting out on his missionary journey here, this first one, yeah.
2: Yeah, so so he's in uh, Pisidian Antioch, um, which, if you remember, Galatians series is like that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, We talked about this back in the Acts series, too. Mm-hmm. And and this is just a great example of uh, in the sermon we had an example of uh, connecting and inviting people in and and all that. This is a good example of that not going well. (laughs) Okay, tell me the story. So Paul and Barnabas uh, show up in Pisidian Antioch, and Paul gives a sermon, Um, and uh, it's it's the gospel uh, essentially. Um, preaching Jesus and from a lot of i guess modern understanding of what modern church understanding of what of the Jews like we would have just said okay well they rejected them because of the gospel or
0: yeah sure like the jews yeah cuz they you know they just killed Jesus <laughs> and they didn't like the gospel at all
2: but yep. this seems to say otherwise because uh starting in acts 13:42 it says as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them uh, the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke uh, with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So they, they loved it. They thought
0: so it So Paul, Paul and Barnabas are preaching gospel, and they're preaching resurrection, and Jesus, and mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself, and all that good stuff. Yep. And the Jews are loving it. The mm-hmm. Jews in the synagogue are loving it.
2: Eating it up with a spoon. Want them back next week, including the Gentiles and everything. Some pretty controversial. Gentiles stuff. are in. They're still and they're still they're still good with it. Yeah, but then uh, in 44 it says, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord.
0: Now this city is how big? Ah, <clears throat> uh, do you remember this? I don't remember. It's fair. Rough big. estimates around five thousand to eight thousand. Five 8,000. is what I had heard. Now um, I'm pulling that out of my memory bank, so I could be wrong. Go double check me, please. In my hmm. understanding, for this
2: general area, maybe not specifically Pisidian Antioch, but this general area, about a fifth of the con, uh, a bit of the pop, a fifth of the population was Jewish.
0: So about um, twenty, about twenty percent Jewish. Twenty percent Jewish, and most of the uh, most of the population not Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Um, Gentile swine. Oh, wait, no. That was a pun.
2: <laughs> uh, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Um,
0: so the same, the same crew that loved him the week before and yep. loved what he had to say mm-hmm. has now turned on him. And go back, go back to that verse there. What, what changed? But when the Jews saw the crowds. So everybody shows up. Mm -hmm. All these Gentiles show up at synagogue. And it gets crowded. And it gets, it gets, well, those people. Mm -hmm. Why are those people here? That's terrible. Who let them in? That person with tattoos? Why is he here? (laughs) Is Is that a hat I see? Is that guy smoking? Oh, the nerve. He smells like cigarettes. Get him out of here. Those people show up. And all of a sudden the Jews that previously loved Paul's teachings and begged him to come back the next week. Yep. They've turned on him. Yep. And they 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 ended up like driving him out and stoning him, didn't they? Uh no. Did that not he, did he not get stoned kinda, at this one?
2: No. They kind of said some stuff, but he ends up coming back later. Okay. So I don't think it stuck too bad, but they did leave. They did they have to s- leave. They
0: slander him and drive him out. Okay. Yeah all right so what's the what's the application here to when we're inviting people into connect environments Mm -hmm. when we're talking connecting people what is that how does how do you make the connection between this story and and what we're doing
2: well and and the point of bringing up this story was just how how challenging uh connects can be um and like uh, if we actually look at the Jewish perspective, there are some very good reasons why they're they're having a hard time with this um the Gentiles uh, like especially like you know like these were probably a lot of Greeks or something like that, very different people, and a lot of them do do a lot of pretty messed up stuff
0: sure um there's a reason why they they decided well, if you think back to the Cornelius story in acts ten mm-hmm. like we're we're told that, the Jews think that the Gentiles are unclean. Yep. Like, and coming into contact with Gentiles, going into their house, mm-hmm. dealing with the Gentiles is going to make you unclean. Well, there's a reason for that. A lot of times they're doing things, they're eating things, their their practices, they're doing unclean things, which would be rough for the Jews.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and even beyond that, because like unclean, like that unclean system mm-hmm. didn't have a lot to do with morality. Sure. Um so like even beyond that is even just like you know uh the morality of the greek worldview was abysmal in comparison
0: vastly different
2: um and uh for for my example uh logan how would you feel if the entire state of
0: california moved to montana oh man (laughs) oh man so everybody in california moves to montana yep i'm moving to california (laughs) Is that what God would want you to do? <laughs> yes. He would want me to reclaim California. That's a beautiful country. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful state full of many many people who I'm very glad don't live in Montana currently. But well, if they all left then
2: yeah, we'll trade them. Well, in the context of this story, <laughs> you think God wants you to love your new Californian? neighbors
0: well they would now be montanans and i would be californian because i would move <laughs> to california where now the californians were not well, see how this works this is beautiful Jeez. i'm all in favor of this let's take it back
2: well uh, and like man that'd can be we hard. give
0: them north dakota
2: it'd be hard with, like, i like
0: montana too much can we give them north dakota and eastern montana i'd go for that all of a sudden we're outnumbered all <laughs> right. of a sudden all of a sudden we are outnumbered you could get like rough. you could bring all of la And outnumber everyone in Montana. Yeah,
1: so I I think what Jake's trying to bring to the (laughs) conversation—I know I'm
0: giving him a terrible time with uh, uh, (laughs)
1: this—is—is—is clash of cultures. Sure. And and how do you deal with clash of cultures? And and back to your question, the larger that group, the larger the group that's dealing with the clash of cultures, the harder it is to have an honest conversation because you get groupthink that takes place. Oh yeah which is why we you know a share event we're not going to engage in these large conversations we're not going to engage in, in this uh dialogue that
0: can be divisive is,
1: yeah that's divisive you know we're going to we're going to do that in this in smaller environments where people can express themselves they could feel heard they could uh consider new things and Mm-hmm. And so, the deeper conversations, you know, it's just like you know, even the difference between spiritual mir- milk and spiritual s- meat or solid food, you know, like sure. like there's some conversations that need to happen after some in, some initial conversation, like like if you're not spiritually mature, there's some conversations you're not ready for, mm-hmm. you know, f- through the scriptures. And so, you know, you start off with the with the with the right kind of conversation.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. That's a really good analogy, Jacob. I was giving you a
1: terrible (laughs)
3: time
0: with that.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. And and the big point is just like how hard it can be,
0: um, to invite in people that are different. Yeah. And they're going to, and the thing is when you bring in those people, what happens to your group? It gets, uh, it changes, changes like you're going to see a shift. Mm hmm. If you've got a, if you have a demographic that is uh, vastly we'll, we'll just use this because it's a, an easy analogy if you have a if you have a demographic in your in your community that's vastly right wing mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you bring in a bunch of friends you make a bunch of friendships with a bunch of left wingers guess what your group is gonna have a little bit of turmoil and it's gonna shift some. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it might be a little uncomfortable for you. Yeah. And the same, you know, take it vice versa the other way around. Like it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Like that's part of, that's part of being in community. And that's part of what Connect Environments teaches how to do is how to deal, how to learn to be in a community that can deal with that. Right. You know, that's, that's what care group's about. That's what, all of these connect environments are about is getting people learning as a spiritual child or whatever to be able to deal with people in that manner.
1: Yeah. And this is why they met in homes. I mean, they, they, you know, the temple was not theirs to, you know, have whatever conversation they wanted to have. Like they, they would go to the temple to, worship as they they always had mm-hmm. but the but the discipleship conversations that they were going to have as as new converts and you know and and even the converts you know the, the people in the Antioch city that that Jacob talked about you know like there would have to be discipleship conversations the to, to follow up on that conversation if if Paul and whoever he left behind was going to be intentional, which which we know the first church was very intentional. It, it took over, within a few hundred years, the mm-hmm. Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. That was a good analogy, Jacob. Well <laughs> done. Well done. There you go. Well, I think that about does it for today. So uh, if you got... Any questions, concerns, or comments, give us a holler at info at missionridge.church. you on our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I don't know if we got a Twitter or not. I don't think we do. We never check that if we, we do. do. We do? We do. All right. Somebody might check that. I won't check that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, much better ways to get in touch with us, or info at missionridge.church. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully see you at church on Sunday. If not, we'll uh, catch you next time.
1: Twitter is Mission Ridge MT. Mission Ridge MT. One word.
0: Cool. Learn something every day. Have a great week. Catch you next time. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge Podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed. And that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.